Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you would turn with me, uh, the New Testament, the book of Acts, I don't mind telling you since, you know, we're just, we're all family and friends here and we're at home. This was not a great morning. It didn't go well. Um, we decided to stop and go through Starbucks and get some coffee. And rather than make it at home, just thought we'd go through and get it. And they, they don't put the lids on anymore. They put them on, but they don't fasten them. So the lady handed it to me and it spills all over me and she gives napkins and, and then we're driving away. It spills all over me again. So I just threw it away. I just said, I don't even want any coffee, want any coffee this morning. So I was mad the whole way over here. But my wife saw this thing the other day. She told me about it, where when couples get in a fight, and we weren't fighting, but, but when you're having a bad day and, and you're angry at your, your spouse, or they said if you just lay on the floor and stare each other in the face, you can't help but just smile and start laughing. Has anybody ever tried that? Well, we weren't laying on the floor here today, but I feel like the Lord is the same way. If he can just get us to look him in the face... And look at him, all of, our, all of the bad things just go away. And you can't help but smile. You can't help but be happy. So that's how I feel this morning. Didn't have a great morning to start off with, but when you get in the presence of the Lord and you just look him in the face, all that bad stuff just goes away. Amen? So if you had a bad week, if you had a bad morning, just look at him. Just look him in the face this morning and all that bad stuff just goes away. Amen. Well, Acts chapter 5, I'm going to start with verse number 17 and read to verse 20. Then I'm going to hop to verse 33. So Acts chapter 5, verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Verse number 33. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thaddeus, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about four hundred, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee, in the days of the taxing, and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. 
And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. By the help of the Lord this morning, I want to encourage somebody today by speaking on, on this subject, overcoming the spirit of hesitation. Overcoming the spirit of hesitation. Why don't we just pray together that God would anoint his word. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We love you so much for the presence that we have felt here today. Thank you for the songs that have been sung, God, the prayers that have been prayed. I ask right now, God, that you would be an encouragement to us, that you would draw us closer to you, that you would help us to step out in faith and believe you for something great today. We believe that you're willing and able to perform it. And God, we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. And once you look to your neighbors, you're being seated and saying, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Do we have any outer space fans here today? Anybody, anybody like rockets and already got one back there and the solar system and all that, that good stuff and NASA, isn't that a cool, NASA's a cool thing, right? We were, I was traveling with Brother Boyd, we were in the Orlando area, and it was late at night. We had just got through with the meeting, and we were walking into the hotel, and we looked up in the sky, and we saw this fireball just climbing in the sky, and it was clearly some sort of rocket ship. So it was really neat, and you saw it separate and and continue to climb, and then I think a couple days later, my wife saw one on the way to work, and she filmed it, and so they were clearly doing some sort of tests and, and launches, so it was really neat, really cool to see. First time I've ever seen anything like that. But it's a, it's a, a cool thing. And, of course, if, you, if you're a fan of NASA or if you, are just, if you are just a human being and you've been born and pay attention, then you know the name Neil Armstrong. Anybody know Neil Armstrong? I want to tell you a story. Neil Armstrong, as we know, famously was the first person to set foot on the moon. However... Many may not know that the plan was for somebody else to be the first one. His name was Edwin C. Aldrin. Aldrin was the pilot for the Apollo mission to the moon, the one, the same one that Neil Armstrong was on. He was working for the American Air Force, and moreover, he had experience, Edwin C. Aldrin did, in spacewalking. Hence, his being selected for this historic moon landing mission. Neil Armstrong, however, was the young, courageous co-pilot. He was with the Navy, and he was selected to co-pilot this mission along with Edwin C. Aldrin. When the Apollo mission landed on the moon, the command came out from NASA, and it said this, Pilot first. Pilot first. That was Edwin C. Aldrin's cue to get out of his seat, unbuckle his safety belt, and to set foot on the moon. Pilot first. This was Edwin C. Aldrin's exciting moment. This is the moment he had trained for, that he had lived for, that he had dreamed about for years. He would most certainly make history in his life. And the world would never be the same. It would change forever with just one step. But Aldrin, in this critical moment, hesitated. He sat there. He was hesitant. And he began to think, 
what will happen when I set foot on the moon? He wondered if he would get sucked out into the atmosphere or would he burn up and burn out into the unknown? He didn't know what would happen. See, he sat there in his moment of hesitation. They tell us was not a few hours, but was merely just seconds. It was merely just seconds. In the meantime, the second call came out from NASA's command, co-pilot next, co-pilot next. And within seconds, Neil Armstrong unbuckled his safety belt, stood up out of his seat, opened the door, and set foot on the moon, and then became part of world history. World history was changed in mere seconds with one foot step forward, with one step forward. Though Edwin C. Buzz Aldrin, his nickname, we call him Buzz Aldrin, had the qualification, although he had all the talent, because of hesitation, he is not recognized by as many people. More people know Neil Armstrong than know Edwin C. Buzz Aldrin. The world only remembers the one who didn't hesitate in taking that first step. This is a good example of how we, in some moments, can lose out because of hesitation. We can lose out because of doubt and fear. So whenever you look at the moon, whenever you're looking at the night sky and you see the moon glowing, remember this. A moment of hesitation can stop us from our greatest victory. can stop us from our greatest victory. How many times have we felt the unction of that still, small voice in a service just like today? in a service just like this, calling us to go deeper, unctioning us to step out in faith and receive prayer like some did today, some here, only to in that moment question and to hesitate and to turn around and and walk out of the service the same way that we came in. I wonder if we could just pause and consider it, how many answered prayers have failed to be unlocked and how many life-changing encounters with God we've missed out on due to a moment of hesitation. But it's my prayer today that we overcome this spirit of doubt and fear and hesitation and we we could realize that our answer could be just one step of faith away. Just one step of faith away. Just one more prayer away from being answered. Your life could be changed. Maybe it's not a sickness in your body, but maybe it's a family circumstance. Maybe it's a a sin that you're dealing with in secret, and only you know about it, and you've been desiring to be set free. Whatever it is that you're dealing with today, don't hesitate, but just believe God for your answer. Believe Jesus that he can transform your life in this service today. Don't be afraid, don't doubt, and don't fear, and do not hesitate. Come on, somebody say, don't hesitate. Shake your neighbor, say, don't hesitate. Now, our story in our opening text begins in Acts chapter 5. This is an exciting time for the early church. The early church is alive in demonstration and in power of the Holy Ghost. They're turning their communities upside down, and miracles, signs, and wonders are on display for all to see. Sick people are being brought into the streets, and 
in their beds and in their couches and, and hoping, the Bible tells us in this chapter, to at least touch the shadow of Peter so that they can be healed. This is, this is mind-blowing stuff. This is miracles like they've never seen. And, and people were arriving from all over just to see it, just to be a part of this revival. They were coming from all across uh, towns, and, and people were taken off work and schools, and they were coming to be a part of this revival. Not only were there physical healings, but demonic spirits were being cast out, and, and people were being set free from, from darkness and, and bondages. It was, it was a powerful revival in time for the early church. And even greater than these, the gospel was spreading like wildfire. The name of Jesus was becoming known even more and more, and, and nothing could stop it. No amount of restrictions, no laws, nothing they could do. The more, the more they tried to stop it, the more it spread. So new souls were being added to the church daily. It was very exciting. It was an exciting time for the early church and revival. Now, as you could imagine, this began to cause a stir. Not everybody was happy about this. Not everybody was excited to see what was going on, and especially among the religious elite. And they were furious. They were upset that the apostles continued to openly testify of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The chief priest and the Sadducees, this was one of the three main Jewish and political and religious movements of the day, they felt that their authority was under question and it was being challenged. And, and their influence, they felt, was being diminished. And this resulted in the ordered arrest and incarceration of the, the apostles responsible for this revival. They got together and they said, we've got to do something to stop these guys. We've got to stop them from preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. We've got to stop these miracles and these signs and wonders from happening and we can't explain it but it's got to be stopped and the only way we can do it is to silence them to put them in handcuffs and chains and to throw them in prison so the bible says that they were arrested and that they were thrown in the common prison they were just thrown in with all the common criminals they were thrown in with, with all the, uh, the murderers and, and, and those that had, had done terrible things. These apostles were now a member of this community. They were arrested, taken from their families, taken off the streets. The revival was shut down, and they were put in the prison. But during this persecution, God still had his hand on his people. Aren't you thankful that God always knows what we're going through? He always knows where you're at. You can rest assured, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, God still knows where you're at. He still knows what you're going through. So the Bible says, in the midst of this prison, while the apostles, while these, they, they were in there and they're, they're chained up, the angel of the Lord by night came and visited them and opened the prison doors and brought them forth, brought them out of prison and then said to them, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have liked the, the message from the angel to be, go home, pack your stuff, and, and go, go get out of town and go somewhere friendly or somewhere where they don't know your name, somewhere where they can't find you. 
Uh, we're going to put you in a witness protection program. We're going to give you a new credit card, a new debit card, and a whole new life. And they'll never find you. They'll never know where you're at. And you will never go back to jail again. Hallelujah. Praise God. But no, the angel says, hey, welcome out of prison. Now, we want you to go back to that street corner where you were preaching. Go back and continue to do what you've been doing because God is still doing some great things in this community. So God, miraculously, he provided a way out of the situation. He always provides a way of escape. And at the instruction of the angel, the apostles would not be silenced. They would not stop preaching and speaking in the name of Jesus, but they continued outside of the temple daily. They continued to preach, and and God continued this revival for the early church. Now, the high council of leaders were perplexed. They were frustrated, and they gathered together and and had another meeting, another council, and they, they had to figure out what can we do with these apostles. We've got to silence them. We tried the prison thing, and it didn't work. We've tried to put chains on them, quiet them down, but it's just, it's not working, so what can we do? And it's interesting to note that the same council that condemned, this is the same council that condemned Jesus to death just weeks prior. As they sent for the apostles now in prison, they received the shocking report. They were gone. They were no longer in prison. They were no longer there, but they were out. So this is crazy stuff. There's people being healed, demoniacs being delivered, and now the very people that they threw in prison are miraculously just out back in the streets again. So this was unexplainable. This was shocking. There was no explanation, no natural explanation for what was happening and what was going on. Found teaching in the temple, the apostles were again escorted out and before the council to answer for themselves. And the Bible says when they had brought the apostles before them again, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man, they're speaking about Jesus, You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. The council was enraged. They were enraged by the apostles' continued teaching in this name, in the name of Jesus. And the guilt of Jesus' blood now being brought on them. And then without the slightest bit of hesitation, Peter and the apostles gave their response. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted to his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard this, the high council, they were cut to the heart. And took counsel now to slay them. Prison was no longer good enough. Silencing them behind the prison walls would not do. But now they wanted to kill the apostles. To completely eradicate them. Get rid of them once and for all. These apostles, 
however, would not be silenced. They would not be silenced. And this caused a stir in the middle of this meeting. There was an uproar. I imagine some there didn't want blood on their hands again to kill them. And, but, but there was no other way to silence these guys. Otherwise, they would keep preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. Otherwise, the, the miracles, the signs and wonders would continue to happen. And so in the midst of this turmoil, in, in the midst of this chaotic scene, during this heated exchange, the Bible says, stood one Gamaliel, Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a revered man. He was an educated teacher, and he was well-respected in the religious community. As a matter of fact, if you read history, Saul, the apostle who became Paul, he studied at the feet of Gamaliel. And Gamaliel was a a powerful teacher, and he was very educated, well-respected in the community. When Gamaliel spoke, people listened. When he spoke up, the room would go silent. When he walked in the room, you knew Gamaliel was there. Everybody wanted to sit at the table with Gamaliel at the after-service dinner. They all wanted to be at his feet and be around him. So he was, understand, an important guy. So what he had to say here carried some weight. So he stands up, this revered man. Gamaliel asked for just a moment of silence, just to think this through. He asked the the apostles, that they be taken out of the room, that they be removed from the discussion. Then he gave his bit of reasoning. He said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. And he says, Behold, the days rose up of Thaddeus. He boasted himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain. And all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished. And all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. Just leave them alone for now. He says, for if this counsel of or this work be of men, it will come to naught. It'll fizzle out. But if it be of God, then we can't overthrow it. Lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. The council was persuaded by Gamaliel's argument not to put the apostles to death by him standing there and being the voice of reason, if you will. They were, however, beaten and then released, but their lives, their lives were spared. So Gamaliel was the voice of reason in the room in this moment of turmoil. But I want to take a second look at Gamaliel's response. He basically said, let's just ride this out and see what happens. We don't know just yet what will come of this. It could be good or it it could be bad. But let's let's just hold off. Let's just wait and see. Let's just sit back. And observe the situation and just see what happens. On the surface, this seemed like quite a reasonable response. The alternative being slaying the apostles, right? And to an extent, this was a reasonable response. But let's look at it from a different angle. I believe Gamaliel's wait and see response was yet another infamous moment 
of hesitation. And it was the incorrect response to the presented evidence of the supernatural. What a missed opportunity when you consider the moment. Gamaliel was a man with a voice. He was a man of influence. And he had the attention of his audience as they listened to him. These religious leaders were presented with faith-building evidence of the supernatural. Their prisoners were just unexplainably set free from prison. They'd heard of the healings. They'd heard of the miracles, signs, and wonders. And being part of such a small community, no doubt, probably saw some of these miracles themselves. They probably knew somebody who had been healed, who had been set free. They may have had a family member who had an unexplainable miracle happen to them. This was the perfect opportunity to respond in faith. Instead, there was hesitation. There was unsuredness. This led to Gamaliel's moment of hesitation. This led to his moment of hesitation. What a missed opportunity, I believe, on his part. Hesitation is defined as this, a delay due to uncertainty of mind or fear. I wonder how many times have we hesitated and allowed a moment of the supernatural to pass us by due to uncertainty of mind or fear of some form. How many times have we felt the unction of the Holy Ghost to step out in faith, but we decided to just wait and see where the service goes first. Just wait and see if this is just a Sunday like any other Sunday. Just wait and see if this is just your run-of-the-mill song service. Just wait and see if, if, if prayer service just goes as planned. I'll just sit back and just see how this one goes before I decide to step out. How many times has the atmosphere been right, just like today, to receive from the Lord, yet we simply watch others around us worship? Or as the altar call is given, we just sit back and wait and see. I believe this is the spirit of hesitation at work. The still small voice of the enemy telling us to just sit back. Just stay silent and just stay quiet. Just stay in your lane and stay in your seat. No need to make a scene and no need to step out. You might just embarrass yourself. You might just, you might just go back up and pray again and it doesn't get answered and you got to pray again next weekend. So just wait and see how it goes. But the Lord this morning, I believe, is not looking for somebody with hesitancy, but God is looking for somebody with reactive faith reactive faith, someone that doesn't dissect and question, but moves at the opportunity when the Word is presented. And when the atmosphere is right, they don't just hesitate and wait and see, but no, they take a step of faith in anticipation of what is possible. That is reactive faith. Somebody say reactive faith. In John 9, we read an incredible account of reactive faith. Jesus, he passes by a blind man, a man blind from birth. And in this incredible story, Jesus uses an unorthodox method of mixing his saliva with dirt to bring healing to this man. He spits on the ground and and he mixes it with dirt. He mixes up some mud and 
He places it on his eyes, made some clay. And after this, Jesus, if that wasn't enough, he sent the man to go a good distance and wash himself in the pool of Siloam. Now put yourself in this blind man's position. This, this guy who you don't know, you've never met him before, he all of a sudden spits in your eye and rubs some dirt in your face and, and tells you to go walk you know, five or ten miles. He has no idea what's going on here, but all he has is an encounter with Jesus. And all he has is a word. And John 9 tells us that he went his way, therefore, and washed, and he came again seeing. This man, blind from birth, had reactive faith. He had reactive faith, and, and he just went on a word from God. And when he did that, he came again seeing. Now, when the witnesses, when the witnesses to this event saw what had happened, they began to question them. They said unto him, How were your eyes open? What exactly happened to you? And he answered and said, he, he said, a man called Jesus. He's what happened to me. He, he spit and he made some clay and he anointed my eyes. And he said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and there wash. And I followed his instructions. I went, I washed, and now I received my sight. That's all I know. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, this formerly blind man was brought again to the religious leaders. Brought again to the Pharisees. You see a trend here. He brought to the high council to explain exactly what had happened. The blind man explained again about the spit and the mud and, and walking to the pool of Siloam. And the Pharisees, the Pharisees then declared that this man could not be of God, meaning Jesus, because he healed on the Sabbath day. Then the question became, if this man is a sinner, how did he heal? If this man is a heathen, how is he working in the miraculous? The Pharisees were confounded, and so they brought the man's parents now, the blind man's parents, into discussion, and they said, how could this be? How could this miracle happen? They needed answers. They wanted to hear this man say that Jesus was a sinner, that, that what he had experienced was a lie, and, and it was not true. So the question was now turned to this formerly blind man. What happened to you? How could this man heal you when he's nothing but a sinner? And then again they called him and said unto him, Give God the praise, because we know that this man Jesus is a sinner. And he answered and said this when confronted. He said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. But one thing I do know, that whereas I was blind... Now I can see. Reactive faith. That's reactive faith. You see, this blind man didn't have a time to wait and see. Pardon the pun. He didn't have a time to wait and see. He moved with reactive faith at the word of the Lord. And because he did so, he now received his sight. Come on, he didn't walk the streets and take a poll and get a consensus. He reacted without hesitation at the word of Jesus. And sometimes that word doesn't make sense to our flesh. Mud on the eyes and you want me to walk to where? Human logic and reactive faith, you understand, they don't mix. Trying to understand according to our own reasoning leads to hesitation. That's the spirit of hesitation. But I'm here to encourage church this morning... I'm here to encourage you, don't hesitate and let this moment pass you by. 
Don't let this opportunity pass you by. But you've got a word and instruction from God. So step out with reactive faith and believe God for your miracle. Believe God for the salvation of your family. Believe God for that financial miracle you've been praying for. Believe God to set you free from that sin and turmoil in your life. Reactive faith. Come on, don't take a poll. Don't get a consensus. Don't judge how the service is going to go, but this is your moment. This is your opportunity to respond. And if you'll react with faith, God will respond in kind, and he will meet you where you are and meet your need. Come on, give God some praise this morning. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. It's our opportunity here today to respond, to not hesitate. We've had moments of hesitation. We can look back over the years and think about those services where we felt God so strong. Those moments we think back and wish, if I would have, I would have just got prayer at that service. I was, too, I was too embarrassed. I hesitated too much to get in that prayer line. Or, or, or I was too upset that day. I had such a bad morning that I, that I let it affect me in the service. And I hesitated and I went home the same. But, but our opportunity again is here today. And scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Come on, we know the scripture. We walk by faith, not according to what we see, not according to what the the atmosphere is, not according to what the circumstance is, but we step out at the word and we believe God and we walk by faith and not by sight. When the opportunity is present to receive from the Lord, we respond not according to what we can see, but as the Bible says, we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and we lean not into our own understanding. We acknowledge that He's a healer. We acknowledge that, that He desires to do good things for us. And so we respond. We say, I don't understand it, God. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I trust and believe Your Word completely, totally and truly. And when we submit ourselves to Him, when we have reactive faith, and when we silence the voice of, of confusion and And when we silence the voice of hesitation and that spirit that tries to hold us back and rein us in, when we do that, God responds and we receive our answer. And I'm here to tell you by faith, that opportunity is here for you today to just step out. Come on, your history could change today. Your history could change today. I truly believe that. And I'm getting ready to close today. I want to tell you and end today with a a personal story, if you want to stand with me. I want to give you an opportunity here as we get ready to close to silence the spirit of hesitation, the voice of the enemy that's holding you back, and to step out in faith simply at the word and just believe God for whatever it is. It was a, a few years ago, I don't remember how many years ago, my wife finally talked me into going and getting uh, my eyes checked, getting my eyes checked. It was probably 10 plus years ago, I don't know. And I had never had my eyes checked. So I went in and, and got my eyes checked, and, and he fit, you know, figured out I needed glasses and put them on, and all of a sudden the world became high definition. I had no idea I couldn't see. 
But the doctor's looking, he's looking in my eyes, and he goes, hmm. You know, they look, they do the little thing, and he goes, hmm. And I said, what's going on? And he goes, ah, it's probably nothing. And I go, well, you got to tell me what's going on. And he goes, well, he said, in your right eye, he said, there's some sort of, I don't remember the medical term, he said, there's some sort of degeneration, something. He goes, now, if you were 65 years old, I'd say, He's 65. It's normal. He goes, but at your age, he goes, that's advanced. Shouldn't be happening. He said, so it's probably something you want to get checked out. And I said, it's in my right eye? And he said, yeah, your right eye. I said, well, what, you know, what could happen? He goes, well, it could ultimately lead to blindness. And I said, well, at least I'll have my left eye. And he goes, it'll probably spread to your left eye, too. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, great. So then... Truthfully, I just forgot about it, and um, we, you know, 10 years down the road, went in for another eye exam. Lady's looking at my eye, and she goes, hmm. And she goes, you have um, uh, the beginning stages. Maybe she goes, maybe even it's a little further than beginning. She says, it looks like glaucoma, she goes, in your, in your eye. She goes, and I, it's, I'm very concerned about this. So she goes, I want you to go to a specialist. I want you to go check this out. And so I said, okay. And, it, and they, don't, they don't schedule you for a specialist that day. You have to go home and be afraid for like a month and, and, and Google WebMD about glaucoma and blindness. And you, you know what I mean? They don't, they don't give you an answer right away. So they just send you home. And so I went home, and I was terrified for about a month. I was scared to death. Because if there's one thing I, I've always been terrified of, it's going blind. Just been terrified of it. Just not being able to see. You know, I, I did, you know, there's a lot of terrible things to me that's up at the top of the list. And so I was worried. I was scared. And, and I remember the first doctor's appointment, this one. <clears throat> and then we went to a, a church the Sunday before. I had a Monday uh, doctor's appointment. We went to church. And it was a normal service normal service, and, um, and I'm not really one to, to draw attention, really I'm not, <clears throat> to myself, I rarely ever go tell anybody I'm sick, and can you pray for me, I just don't do that, but I decided, I was terrified, so I thought, well, I'm going to wait till service is over, till the place is cleared out, and then I'll go up and ask the pastor if he'll pray for me, so I went up, and um, went to the pastor, Certain people had already fellowshiped and walked out, and I said, do you mind praying for me? I said, I have a, a doctor's appointment tomorrow for my eye. I said, I just want to get prayed for. He said, sure, yeah. So he, you know, anointed me, prayed for me, and it was just a normal prayer. Angels from heaven didn't ascend and descend. And truthfully, I didn't feel anything. And so I just, you know, went, I thought, well, you know, I did it. You know, I did the, I grew up in church. I did the thing you're supposed to do. You know, you get it will get prayed for, so I did it. And so, you know, I believe God for, for miracles. I believe he can touch me. I do believe that. That's, that's why I did it. And so I, um, I went to the doctor's appointment the next day. I sat in the, the chair, and the guy came in, and he goes to examine me. And he goes, so what are you here for again? And I said, well, uh, and I told him the history of everything that had gone on. He goes, well, I have no idea what she's talking about. He said, because I don't see anything. I don't see anything. 
And I said, are you sure? He goes, no, no. I said, okay, well, if you don't see glaucoma, I said, you know, years ago there was a, some sort of degeneration, some sort of thing. He goes, I don't see anything. He goes, I'm looking in your eye, and there's nothing there. He goes, so have a good day. You know, go out. Your copay is, you know. So I went out, and, man, I was excited. I was excited. I didn't let a moment, an opportunity pass me by. I didn't let, a, let a, just a, what seemed like an ordinary and average service. I didn't walk out the door the same. But I, I went up and I got prayed for, and I stepped out in faith. I had reactive faith. I didn't hesitate. I didn't watch to see how the day went, but I needed something from God. And because I needed something, I was desperate enough to go up and get out of my comfort zone and get prayed for, and God responded in a miracle. Now, <clears throat> the next week, after a miracle happens, you start to doubt. So I started to think, well, maybe there was nothing wrong with me in the first place. Maybe it was all just a, a big mix-up with the charts. And then after service, a dear uh, elder in the church, a dear dear uh, snowbirder, he actually came down from Indiana. He went up to Brother Mooney's church. And so he was down, and he used to visit really nice uh, elder brother. And he came up to me with tears in the eyes. He said, during altar service tonight, or today, he said, God spoke to me and told me to tell that young man that I healed his eyes and to not doubt what I did. He said, you had doubt in your mind and you're questioning whether or not that was a miracle. But, but God told me to tell you that he healed your eyes. So I'm here to tell you, I don't know if it was glaucoma or what it was, but God healed my eyes. God healed me. And that same opportunity is here for you today. It may not be a healing for your eyes. It may, it may be a healing in your body. But it may be something in your family. It may be a financial miracle. It may be a, a sin, a vice of the enemy that has you bound. It may be depression. It may be an attack on your mind, whatever it is. I'm here to tell you that God touched me. He healed me because I didn't hesitate because I didn't allow a moment to pass me by. And I'm here to tell you in faith, by faith, that if you will not allow this moment to pass you by, if you will not allow this service to just be a regular service, but if you'll step out in faith, silence the spirit of hesitation, and believe God to touch you, God can perform a miracle in your life. Come on, who's with me today? Who believes me for that today? Come on, no matter what it is, I want you to lift your hand in faith. Believe that God can do it for you. Come on, he did it for me. How it happens, I don't know. How it happens, I can't explain. But all I know is he touched me. All I know is he healed me. All I know is he delivered me. All I know is he set me free. That's the only thing I can tell you. So if you need it today, friend, no matter what it is, just believe God for a miracle. Come on, don't hesitate. Your greatest victory is in this service. Your greatest victory is in this altar. Your greatest victory is in this church today. Believe God for it. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate, but reach out to God in faith. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.